1: Welcome to the show, Fist Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and coming to you on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I am, of course, not Dan Patrick. I am Nick Gieber. It's a pleasure to be with you uh, as we spend the next hour or so talking about the beautiful game. And of course, there is a lot of beauty going on in the game right now uh, as the Women's World Cup is now just about down to the quarterfinals. Uh, I'm not referring to the aesthetics of the players, but I am talking about some absolutely entertaining, terrific football that we've seen uh, during this Women's World Cup. The growth of the women's game, I think, is no longer in question, and that is further reinforced by news today that Real Madrid, the Spanish Giants, announced their entry into the women's game starting I believe next year we'll talk about that a little bit more throughout the show. In the Premier League, Frank Lampard. Well, he looks set to move to uh, to Stamford uh, to Stanford Bridge as Chelsea asked Derby uh, Derby County for permission to speak to the former legend about taking over the reins of management. Uh, interesting stuff, particularly as uh, you know, in the wake of uh, Maurizio Sarri uh, going to Juventus. St. James's Park, poor old Newcastle United, they are in disarray as Mike Ashley looks to replace Rafa Benitez, but with who? Who is going to take the reins in that toxic situation, particularly with a buyout in the offing? I would suggest to you, trouble ahead for Newcastle. The importance of having a good season next year, particularly with a rich, exceptionally rich benefactor waiting to take over. Well,. <laughs> Can you imagine if they get relegated? Let's talk about Newcastle United, 800-878-7529. Let's talk about Women's World Cup, 800-878-7529. Let's talk about transfer rumors and movement in the Premier League, 800-878-7529. And coming up later on in the show, we'll be speaking to United States national team, a goalkeeping legend and current host on Sirius XMFC, Mr. Tony Miola. So stay tuned for that. All right. Those are the numbers, 800-878-7529. Love to hear from you. By the way, big hello to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. And if you're listening on one of our digital channels, whether it's iHeartTuneIn or the award-winning SiriusXM app, I welcome you to the show. All right, I'm going to step aside, take a break, and be right back to kick it off here on this Street Soccer.
2: And now, an ad from Mom.
3: Save money on car insurance by bundling home and auto with Progressive. And cut. (laughs) That was good. So are there any other things you need me to talk about? Or I could do an ad for something I really like, like lotion. You know, oh, I am just a nut for lotion.
2: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
5: That's 800-403-5912. If
6: you or a loved one is suffering from a physical or emotional condition that has left you unable to work, then listen carefully. Take this number down, 800-593-7491. That's 800-593-7491. you could win free fuel for a year in the shell great gas giveaway
4: fuel rewards members are automatically entered every time they purchase eight gallons or more and if you choose new shell v power nitro plus premium gasoline you get four entries so it's time to fill up for a chance to win not a member to join download the app or go to fuelrewards.com slash win no purchase necessary motion ends 9-1-19 see official rules at FuelRewards.com slash win for how to enter by mail and all details
1: Nick Eber with you. By the way, find me on Twitter. I'm at 5th Street Sports, 5TH Street Sports. I would love to chat to you online. Uh, uh, the Twitter is blowing up, as it always does, uh, particularly in light of some of these new reports, particularly coming out of Spain right now, talking about Real Madrid. They have purchased a team called Deportivo Tacón in the Primera Division of Women's Football in Spain, and uh, they will be rebranding that team, at Real Madrid. Uh, they just uh, ratified that, uh, that purchase on Tuesday. Atletico Madrid are also in there. And uh, I think you can see, with the excitement and viewership numbers, not just here in the United States, but we're talking about all over Europe, the numbers of viewers on the Women's World Cup is through the roof. Now it's not just the hard stats it's also anecdotal evidence and a, a really interesting story i mean well was it really interesting yeah i suppose it's pretty interesting story um in terms of uh, the uh, getting this tournament and the tournament issues propagated is one of the women's uh, players on the english team her brother uh, is attending the glastonbury festival And because England have now made it through the quarterfinals, the player asked the festival organizers if they would screen the Women's World Cup game. They are screening it on one of the main stages at Glastonbury. Now, that sort of exposure is usually given only to matches of the men's national team. And I think that you're seeing a real gravitation towards this Women's World Cup tournament, towards women's teams, particularly, uh, and I say particularly, in, uh, for example, England, Italy, Spain, uh, Germany, uh, France. We're looking at also the United States, of course, uh, Sweden, Norway. I mean, these teams, uh, the, the, in these countries, the women's game is just on a massive massive growth trajectory, it's going to be up to some of the more uh, traditional countries, shall we say, to really put the investment in the women's game. I mean, you saw what happened with the Argentine women's team. I mean, this is a country that has a rich tradition of exceptional footballer, a country that has produced arguably two of the greatest players ever to play the game. Of course, we're talking about Diego Maradona and uh, Lionel Messi. Yet the Argentine women's team has gone very much unfunded, unloved, uh, unpromoted, and they still made it to the World Cup and and put on a performance. So it's going to be up to countries where uh, women in sporting roles have traditionally been difficult to sell to really get behind it. But I think FIFA, if they're willing to invest the money, they can really make this thing uh, enormously successful and I'd love to see it. By the way, there is a whole lot of controversy going on at the World Cup. And if you listened to the show yesterday when I had Karthik Krishnaya on, uh, we were talking a little bit about some of the controversy around the Cameroonian team and their antics uh, in dealing with a couple of uh, video assistant referee calls that they didn't like, including having a what would have been really a critical goal in terms of timing uh, called back. And they you know they didn't want to go out and play, they cried, they yelled, they spit, they pushed, they punched, I mean, it was a nasty scene all the way around, but very interesting though has been some of the media reaction to some of the coverage of the African teams and I don't know if I necessarily agree with this or not. Uh, But in reference to, for example, the Nigerian team, uh, they were talking about the physicality and how the team's just so physical and fit but not technical, and they brought in this uh, white European coach, and maybe he'll instill in them uh, uh, the necessary skill. I know Grant Wall from Sports Illustrated, who we've we've had on this show, Grant is a friend of mine, he's a great guy, Uh, wrote a piece about you know we've got to get over how we talk about african teams and and really discussing possibly some of the racism inherent in that approach whereas i agree with him in principle and certainly i am the last person on the planet to to condone uh, or tolerate uh, any form of racism whatsoever I'm not sure he has this one quite correctly. I I think we might be saying the same about any emerging talent, any team that's emerging out of uh, the shadows of obscurity and coming into the mainstream. There is a technical gap, there is a qualitative gap between, uh, you know, Thailand, Cameroon. Nigeria, by the way, Cameroon and Nigeria, traditionally great footballing houses, but it's a very paternalistic culture. For them to even field women's teams at this level, I think shows an incredible growth. But I think it's unrealistic to think that they're going to have, be able within their own natural growth and evolution to, at this point, uh, to to 2019 in France, Mm -hmm. this tournament, be able to show a team that has the technical skills uh, that, they, that are going to hold up with the very cream of the crop, the United States, uh, England, Italy, uh, the Netherlands, Germany. I mean, it's just, it's just the, the game is on such an interesting growth tra- trajectory. It's like watching a sport develop into adolescence in front of you. And that's one of the reasons that I find this so unbelievably compelling. But but the honor, but, uh, in all honesty, there is, of course, a qualitative difference between teams that have been doing this a while. The United States, who pioneered the game of women's football to, say, Nigeria or Cameroon or Thailand. You saw a 13-0 victory of the United States over Thailand. That should tell you everything you want to know about the difference between a mature program and a developing program. And I think that's what people are trying to say. If they're couching this in phraseology or using words that some might seem paternalistic or racist, uh, I don't think that's I certainly don't think that's the intention in any uh, way, shape or form. Uh, To have that. By the way, we talk about qualitative differences. We're going to be speaking with Tony Miola later on about the Gold Cup. Now, look, this is a tournament that I absolutely have very, very little time for. Now, Tony has played in many Gold Cups. Uh, He was uh, obviously with the U.S. national team in the 90s through the 2000s. But but this is a tournament which has very much the same source of problems in terms of, you know, who cares about Guyana? Or Cuba. Look, Cuba have conceded, out of Group A in the Gold Cup, 17 goals, and they have not scored a single goal. Not one. This is a tournament with 16 teams in it. (coughs) This is a tournament that isn't the World Cup. The highest-ranked team in this tournament is ranked 18th in the world. So I suppose one could say this is a tournament to see who's the 18th best team in the world. I have trouble getting into the Gold Cup. And I know this isn't a rub on the U.S. national team. This isn't a rub on Mexico or Canada or any of these teams. You can only play who's put in front of you. But I wonder, I I just wonder how the U.S. is going to forge an internationally competent and competitive team When certainly within our own region of CONCACAF, the teams just ain't that good. And second of all, the level of play both in our domestic league and in the tournaments we play is just very low. Uh, And despite no matter how much talent you have... You have to forge it in the fire of hard and tough competition. So maybe these are some of the questions we'll ask Tony. I hope he doesn't get insulted by my questions. I've spoken to Tony on and off many times over the last 22 years of doing, uh, having this wonderful job. But we'll speak to him again tonight. Mr. Tony Miola coming up in about 20 minutes. All right. I'm going to have to step aside and uh, take a little break. Hope you'll stay with me here on Fifth Street Soccer. Nick Gieber with you. By the way, Karthik Krishnaya will uh, rejoin me tomorrow. He had... Uh, Somewhere he had to be today, so we appreciate that. Find me on Twitter at Fifth Street Sports. Love to hear from you, and if you have something to say this next segment, love to hear from you as well. 800 878 7529. I'll be right back after this.
5: that's 800-223-0992. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it, for a vacation or a new car? But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me Once again, that's 800-932-5517. Where
4: do you want to go on a vacation or honeymoon? The Caribbean, Europe, Hawaii, Mexico? How about Disney or a cruise? At Superior Cruise and Travel, we've got you covered. We'll assign you your own travel concierge. They'll help you design a custom vacation plan that you can't find online. And the service is completely free. You can't compare the value of this to any other online travel company. We can help you plan a custom vacation anywhere in the world. We even offer payment plans with no credit card required. Now you pay off your vacation on your time schedule. Call now and mention the promo code RADIO and save up to $500. Book your custom trip. Call Superior Cruise and Travel Now and talk to one of the highest rated travel agencies in the country with a five-star A-plus online rating.
5: 800-570-9631, 800-570-9631, 800-570-9631, that's 800 <laughs>
1: hearing is so bad uh i can probably attribute that to going to probably 30 or 40 ramones concerts between say 1978 and uh, 1988 um That's probably why I have trouble hearing. Uh, Anyway, welcome back to the show for Street Soccer. Nick Gieber with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and uh, Sirius XM, Channel 211, Dan Patrick Sports. We're talking Women's World Cup. We're talking uh, Gold Cup. We're talking African Cup of Nations. Uh, All of that's going on right now, as well as, of course, Copa America. This is tournament season this summer. When they're all over, we're going to have a brief respite where things will go quiet for A few weeks, and we'll have uh, some friendly matches here in the United States under the guise of the ICC, and then it's back to the Premier League, which will kick off in August, if you can believe that. Of course, you may notice I haven't talked about Major League Soccer, and it's not for lack of want, it's for lack of interest, to be fair. There's just nothing compelling about Major League Soccer for me. I mean, we can talk about David Beckham's into Miami, signing their very first player, although, of course, he's going to stay where he is uh, in Argentina until the, the team is up and running. We can talk about uh, what? I mean, what are the controversial, interesting, big, meaty, water cooler stories going on about Major League Soccer? I mean, let me give you some in the world of sports. Again, we talked about the world of football. We talked about uh, the Women's World Cup. We've talked about, you know, England getting through, the, uh, getting through to the quarterfinals. The United States having a rough run against Spain. We've talked about the Cameroonians and their, their temper tantrum. We can talk about Ada heger uh for Norway, the, one of the best players in the world, deciding she's just not going to play out of protest. Again, in the African Cup of Nations, you've got the Nigerian players who are threatening just not to play until they get paid by their federation. Again, let's go back to the Women's World Cup. You've got the U.S. women suing U.S. soccer for equal pay. You've got Marta from Brazil basically retiring after this, scoring more goals than any man or woman in any World Cups, period. And of course, we have this incredible transfer window that's open. We have got the situation at Newcastle with Rafa Benitez. We got Chelsea, Maurizio Sarri, uh, thumbing his nose at the club and going to Juventus after winning the Europa League. And uh, Chelsea with a two-match window, two-window ban, having to get a, a new manager. And of course, uh, we got Manchester City with a pending Champions League ban. These are all great water cooler stories. What do we have in Major League Soccer? Nothing. Yeah, we're in the sort of dog days of the season where you're just playing because almost everybody makes the playoffs. And that's really when the season kind of begins. You've got a league that maintains strict control over all the information in and out. You've got a league that would absolutely mess its pants if it ever had these types of stories that I have just spoken about getting out into the media. So essentially, what you have is a tightly controlled K car of a league, a blue label of a league, a generic league. And look, I'm not saying that supporters of Atlanta United or Cincinnati or L A F C or or Seattle—they're not—they're I mean, great supporters and they love their team, and 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 I have the ultimate respect for them. But but there's not—but if you're not a fan, excuse me, if you're not a fan in particular of one of these teams, there's nothing compelling to drive you to watch the league. There's no promotion and relegation battle. There's really nothing during the regular season until you get to the playoffs if you're not if you're not a huge fan of one of the teams. I, I don't know. It, it's just missing something. I wanted to have that something because I'm live in America. I've been here decades. I just think we're missing the level of excitement that we need in our soccer league soccer is a passionate game it is look all sport is emotion if you look at sports in general none of it makes any sense it's all somewhat as mr spock would say illogical captain because of course it is because sports is about emotion man it's about emotion it's the ultimate reality show it's adrenaline it's the passions it's the highs and the lows that's what drives us to sports not because it makes sense. It's tribal. Soccer itself is tribal. It's always been, to a large degree, R-rated entertainment. I'm talking about the men's game. And that is one of the qualitative differences, by the way, between the men's and the women's game. And that's something we can talk about uh, another time. But that, for me, is what's missing in Major League Soccer. I don't care whether it's 4-4-2 or who's playing a false nine or, you know, who makes the best diagonal runs or who's got the most assists. I mean, that's nice. But that doesn't stir the passions that drive you. That doesn't create water cooler stories. That doesn't get you yabbering with your friends at work about what happened. Oh, man, did you see that assist? It was incredible. (gasps) wow. (coughs) hey, did you read that press release put out by Don Garber? No, no one's saying that. Let's be honest. And that's a problem. You combine that with the fact that Major League Soccer has absolutely no incentive for its crappy teams to improve. Hello, Colorado. Hello, New England. Because there's no relegation. These owners can just... You know park themselves in ownership on these teams and watch their franchise values go up as a new franchise are admitted with ever increasing numbers that started at twenty five million then fifty then a hundred then two hundred two hundred and fifty million before you know it, it'll be you know half a billion dollars to get a new soccer franchise It's if we have fake news, I believe you know we can have. Fake is not the right word. Oh, never. It isn't even in fake news, by the way. Uh, But there's just. Major League Soccer, for all of its good things, lacks authenticity to me. It seems derived, it seems foisted on me. It seems like I need to read a press release from the commissioner telling me how this is the best league, uh, growing league, it's a world powerhouse league, it's a big player in the transfer market, all of which is complete crap, by the way. But I need to read that because I wouldn't be interested otherwise. There are so many issues with this. Now, look. Under fully understanding, this league came into effect in 1996. And we're going to speak to one of the original members of that league coming up here in the next segment, Tony Miola. And it has improved enormously. Uh, you know, I am going to give absolute credit where credit's due. It is, has improved. The quality of play has improved enormously. The stadium experience has improved enormously. The fact that the league is still here after a decade of terrible financial losses is nothing but a credit to those owners who have uh, gone along for the ride and watched it grow and were willing to take a long-term view. And also to the commissioner, Don Garber. Have to hats off to Don Garber as much as I criticize him. He has you know, been a steady hand at the wheel for this league through some times of of substantial turmoil. But I think it's time now. The league should be at a crossroads where it can say, we're going to become truly a great global league, or we are going to be happy to be a mediocre league that will cap potential losses for investors, that will provide an upside, where everyone will get franchise value, appreciation... And we can provide a service to fans, you know, within their local markets. I mean, because that's really what we have right now. So the question I ask you out there and listening to this show, if you're a fan of the domestic game here, which way do you want it to go? Do you want it to be predictable? Do you want it to be controlled? Do you want it to be sterile, hermetically sealed? Or do you want them to go out on a limb? Do you want them to push the envelope? Do you want them to take a gamble and take a little chance? And if you do want that and you don't then support them, then shame on you. If you don't and you want the status quo, the rubbish television ratings, the kind of boring you know, stories that come out of it, that's what we're going to get. And look, for the U.S. to go anywhere, as far as a national team, because of the unique nature of America, its size, its huge size. We need a strong National League for our American players. And I'm not talking about the top 1% of the top 1% that will find their way to big clubs in Europe and beyond to uh, hone their trade. I'm talking about the rest of the players. They need a league that is of a high enough quality to harden themselves To that level. And we don't have it right now. And I think that's part of the reason that we're seeing probably not the strongest U.S. national team in a long time. That because the league has grown, there's now a lot more opportunities for players to stay here. And that league just ain't that good. So it's not making them all that much better. Look, these are my opinions. What do you think? Send me a tweet at Fistry (coughs) Sports. I'd love to hear from you. Love to know what you think. Coming up after the break, we're going to speak to uh, Major League Soccer, U.S. men's national team legend, legendary goalkeeper, uh, Mr. Tony Miola, a man who I'm pretty sure spent like 400 years between the posts, but I'll ask him about that when we come back. 800-878-PLAY. When we come back, Tony Miola, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this.
5: That's 855-325-1780.
3: Imagine this is your money and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. They want your money. And guess what? They can legally take it, all of it if they want. Remember, they sent you that letter that said, hey, you owe us a bunch of cash and we're going to take it from you. So what do you do? Fight back by letting our team of experts at the tax helpline work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. And we're good at what we do. When you hire us, you get a team of guys on your side that know the IRS laws and will fight to save your money.
1: Sex and drugs and rock and roe. All right, welcome back to the show, it's Fist Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, and of course Dan Patrick Sports on Sirius XM 211. I'm Nick Eber. It's a pleasure to be with you, as I am each and every weekday, or shall I say, weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. I think my internal clock's gone haywire. It's a great pleasure that I welcome to the show a man uh, with, uh, I don't know, 2,397 million caps for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, the legendary goalkeeper, current host on Sirius XMFC, Tony Miola. Tony, welcome to the show.
7: Hey, Dan. How are you, man? How
1: are you? Good. How are you doing today? Uh, you've been watching the uh, Women's World Cup today?
7: I am. Uh, I'm, I'm currently watching uh, Japan and the Netherlands here. 1-1, 82nd minute.
1: Yeah, probably a bit of a surprise. I thought the Dutch team have looked quite good, and uh, uh, was quite shocked actually to see the Japanese get that uh, that equalizing goal. Yeah,
7: but you know, Japan has been such a uh, sort of stalwart in this Women's World Cup over the years. Obviously, winning it two tournaments ago, losing to the U.S., so they kind of know how to navigate their way through this part of the tournament, and, and they're showing that again. I'm with you. The Netherlands, I I thought. Uh, would have a little easier time here, but they're under it a little bit right now.
1: Well, fascinating. I, unfortunately, I, I I do have the most of this half of the game taped, uh, so I will DVR it. I won't tell it. you. Then. I, I say,
7: won't tell you. No, no, it's all right.
1: You could tell me. <laughs> I, I, I I'm sure I'll. One of my myriad... You know, that's one of the problems, Tony. You know, in this era of smartphones and smart this and smart that, is you know I'm, I'm watching the game on 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 the TV. And I get the alerts about 45 seconds before I see it on the TV that someone scored or someone won or someone was sent off. It's quite frustrating.
7: Yeah, and there's, there's no more DVRing a game, right? Because you feel like right. by the time you get home, you've turned on Twitter or whatever social media platform and you know everything that went on. You've seen every important clip and highlight and goal and save and, and you don't even need to watch it anymore.
1: Absolutely, hey Tony. Whereas the U.S., uh, whereas the uh, women's World Cup and women's soccer is very much a child of the United States, and particularly uh, given birth through Title IX, and it's become a global phenomenon. uh, Obviously, the men's game, not so much. I mean, you've been around. You've you've had an exceptionally unique perspective, uh, given the you know, you, the, the era in which you played uh, both your club football and your international football to have seen the growth of the game in the United States uh, it, it, from 1996 and, and uh, you know, the first Major League Soccer game uh, through the World Cups uh, to where we are today. Uh, Tony, do you think the U.S. men's program, though, is at a crossroads right now?
7: Um, crossroads is, is, probably not the way I'd put it as much as I would put it a transition phase. And we went through this, you know, in 1989 and we went through it a couple times. And, you know, this time, the, the one thing we had to deal with that we didn't deal with the previous or was not qualifying for a world cup. And, um, you know, we look at that Trinidad game and I, I still think that's, that's the night everybody will remember. I don't think that's the night we didn't qualify for the world cup. It wasn't a good uh, it wasn't a good uh, performance throughout um, that entire qualifying period. Bruce Arena came in and stabilized it a little bit and gave them a shot uh, to um, make it. But in the end, that team failed to get the get the job done. And um, now we are at, like most national teams, uh, you know, they're in their they're in their transition period. And I still think that this particular group is set up to be successful in uh, 2026 because uh, based on the age of the the kids that are coming up and knowing the youth national team system and set up um, as well as I do, um, I still think we're a World Cup away, although that doesn't mean we can't be successful and we can't compete at the next World Cup. I just think it's set up for really good things in 2026, which is Something to look forward to, but we certainly don't want to do it by not qualifying again, game, which I don't, I don't suspect that that will happen. Um, so, so to your original question, I, I think transition right now is where I would put it.
1: Well, it's interesting because uh, I have look, I I'm one over 22 years of sitting behind a mic talking about football in America. I've been always been highly opinionated and not afraid to speak my mind. Uh, that hasn't changed as I've gotten older. Uh, Although maybe my ability to stay up late has (laughs) the, uh, you know, some of the issues that I find, Tony, I mean, I I think there's some some systemic problems that we have to address. And that is regards to the quality level in Major League Soccer, which, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, has improved. Uh, enormously from its uh, start in 1996 uh, to where it is today. But it's still, you know, I'm just not convinced that it's still, it's yet at a high enough level to take American players that will play in their domestic league and forge them in the heat of competition at a high enough Mm -hmm. level to one thing. And the second issue, Tony, and I'll throw these over to you, is, you know, as fun as something like the Gold Cup is, it's just not that competitive of a tournament. And you can only play who's put in front of you. But maybe those two issues need to be addressed. We need to get the U.S. team out in bigger and more important tournaments. The quality of play domestically probably needs to get tougher. What do you think?
7: Yeah, so the, the, with the regards to the first question, it's interesting you say that because you know I look at it and, and I've been, as you mentioned, through it a few times at different uh, from different aspects. And I go back to 2000, uh, 2002 World Cup where... You know, we we conventionally think that the league is better now, and I can't disagree with you. There are some things that are better, and there are some things maybe that, uh, maybe that can improve. Uh, but in 2002, we had 13 of the players, if I'm not mistaken, in that team playing in Major League Soccer, and a few of them that had just left Major League Soccer to go over to Europe. And yesterday, I believe, was the 25th anniversary of... <laughs> Um, the handball that didn't get called against Germany. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't the 25th anniversary. It's 1994. It was the anniversary of the handball, which yeah. would have potentially put that team in the semifinals of a World Cup. Keep in mind, that was a quarterfinal of a World Cup. And, and if you read any account, the U.S. completely played Germany off the park that night and couldn't score a goal. Oliver Kahn was outstanding in goal, had to be in order for them to win. If we get a penalty kick there, things might be different. So with with thinking that we're better now as a league, we saw all those players playing in a league that most people think wasn't as good back then, and we got to a quarterfinal of a World Cup. Um, so just, just something to think about. Certainly not an excuse. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the U.S. didn't get it done against Trinidad. Didn't get it done during qualifying. I think it was the end of a cycle, and it didn't work out. Should they maybe have taken some younger players? Probably. Uh, but when all said and done, uh, they didn't get the job done. And with regards to uh, what was the second part? I, I apologize. I went off on a rant on the first well, part. Well, we're talking about
1: the league, but actually I, I want to back up for a minute, Tony, because uh, you know I was actually covering the 2002 World Cup um, uh, at, that, at that time, yeah. I remember it extremely well. Remember the game against Germany where the US team did play them off the park. But you know, it was it was a real in, it was a really interesting tournament. I believe you you were on that squad, were you not uh, Tony? I was, yeah. I was yeah.
7: I didn't yeah. play, but I was on that squad, yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, you know, when I looked at I mean from my position as a as a pundit back in 2001, 2002, uh when the World Cup was going on, you know, I thought that first of all, the U.S. got uh, some some very lucky breaks to, to move on. Of course, the match against Mexico was a great result and, and a heated rivalry. But you know, I, I look back at that Portugal game, which was the sort of the early upset of the 2002 World Cup. Yeah. And you yeah. know, the Portuguese uh, with Luis Figo came out onto the onto the pitch and just thought, you know, who are these blokes? They're, they're no one. And look, they were surprised by a highly athletic. Very well-trained, uh, very well-conditioned team with some decent skills, and they just weren't up for it, and they got shocked. Uh, that was an interesting World Cup, but I think maybe was a little bit uh, sort of everything aligned for the United States in that. And you're right, though. that There was a real tragedy with that handball off the line uh, and I think we saw as the I believe the uh, I believe as the next tournament came through after the World Cup, it was three and out, if I'm not mistaken, with largely the same squad. So, I mean, I, I think there's some real issues with the program today, although I will say this, Tony, I, I do like the appointment of Greg Berhalter.
7: Yeah, so a lot to unfold there, but yeah, going to, to Greg, I think he's a, a good choice. Um, I think it's going to take uh, a little bit of time. I know fans don't want to hear that. Um, it's not, especially when you don't make a World Cup, and, and, and given the fact that we we're in seven in a row, um, you know they don't want to hear it's going to take time. But it, 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 he's our guy right now. He's the guy that we have to get yep. behind, and we have to trust that, um, you know, he's picking players that will fit in his system. We have enough players to do that. Um, and now it's just going to be putting it together. We saw a little bit of that against Trinidad, and people will look at it and go, well, Trinidad, 6-0. Um, it's as good a Trinidad team as we lost to in October of 2017 right. and couldn't get the Absolutely. job done. Right? right? I mean, they're, they're no better yeah. or no worse than they were then. Um, so I don't want to take any credit away from them. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I think he's a, a good choice. I think um, we're finally seeing sort of the soccer community get behind them a little bit. And um, we're seeing, uh, we're, we're starting to see sort of the the way he wants to play, and that's the most important thing. You know, you you say you know you said you analyze games. You talk about the, the one thing you want to know when you look at a team. For me, is can I get an idea of what they're trying to do, right? And that doesn't mean you're going to win. That doesn't mean you're going to lose. You have to have an idea. We know if you watch Manchester City on the weekend, or if you watch Liverpool, or if you watch. Barcelona, I'm not trying to compare players. I'm, I'm using them because most of your listeners probably know those examples. When we watch them play, whether they win, lose, or draw, we know exactly what they're trying to do. You know, And that's the hardest thing for a team is to, is to create that identity. It doesn't happen overnight. Jurgen Kulp didn't build it overnight. Pep Guardiola didn't build it overnight. Now, they have a luxury of being able to spend money. I understand that. So they can do it a little bit quicker. But it doesn't happen overnight. And it's not going to happen overnight with a national team.
1: Tony, I actually couldn't agree more with you, and all fans of the U.S. national team that are listening, be patient. Your point, Tony, about 2026 is spot on. Listen, we just got a couple minutes left. Tell us about the All-State Day for Play. I believe the next one's in St. Paul, Tony. A couple minutes, uh, fill us in.
7: Yeah, actually, we did St. Paul. We're in Kansas City today um, and tomorrow for the game, but uh, our our day to play is essentially uh, an initiative in and around the country. I've been doing this for six years. and uh, Allstate's been great to the soccer community, and we we just, we go out, uh, we were down at the uh, Power and Light District, and it's an opportunity for fans uh, of all ages to come out and, and just have some fun on the field, kick the ball around a little bit, win a couple prizes, uh, we were able to replace some worn-out soccer balls with kids today, probably 20 or 30 of them, uh, with brand-new soccer balls uh, that Allstate provided, and and uh, just a a really good initiative to kind of keep the ball rolling in different communities. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and we've met a lot of great people, and hopefully we just continue to grow this.
1: Tony, is there a website people can go to to learn about this?
7: I think they can go on Twitter. Uh, Allstate's been tweeting. They can learn about the different community events. They post them. Our next one, we're in Nashville coming up. Uh, We're in Nashville, Philly, and all the way through the final in
1: Chicago. Awesome. Tony Miola, an absolute pleasure and a privilege to chat with you. Love to have you on again. We can uh, talk more about Major League Soccer and the U.S. national team, uh, who hopefully will uh, win the Gold Cup. That's what we're all hoping for. Tony, thanks so much. And by the way, when can we hear you on uh, Sirius XM uh, FC?
7: Yeah, so I'm on on nightly, do the drive time show from 4 to 7. If there's a league game or a Champions League game, we come on 5 to 7 right after the game. I did take uh, the Gold Cup off here so I can travel around the country, but that's uh, when you'll hear us most times.
1: All right, awesome. Tony Miola, thanks so much, mate. Have a good one. Thank you as well. All right, uh, you're listening to uh, 5th Street Soccer. I've been talking to Tony Miola. I do have to go to break. I'll be right back to wrap it up here. On the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports.
0: and enter the code SPORTS at checkout for $20 off. That's myevos.com. M-Y-E-V-O-Z All
1: right, well, the uh, finals are in. The quarterfinals are now all set in the Women's World Cup. Uh, we have Norway playing England. We have France playing the United States. We have Italy playing the Netherlands, who beat Japan 2-1 with a 90th-minute 90th minute penalty. And we have Germany-Sweden. My predictions for the semifinals would be uh, the Netherlands beating Italy, Sweden, uh, pardon me, Germany beating Sweden to set up a Netherlands-Germany semifinal. And I actually have uh, the Dutch team going through to the final where they will play, and I'll go through my uh, quarterfinal matchups here. I have England beating uh, Norway, although it could be tight. I have uh, the United States being f- beating France, but quite frankly, after the last U.S. performance, I'm questioning whether that's going to happen. But I-, I will say the U.S. will beat France, setting up a uh, England-U.S.A. semifinal. I have the United States beating England in that semifinal, facing an, uh, p- and then facing the Netherlands in the final which they will win. That is my bracketology. That's how I have it. Of course, you know how these things go. Could be all rubbish after the first quarterfinal is over. I could be all wrong and it could just destroy everything, but that's the way it works. Hey, I'd like to thank Tony Miola. I believe it's 250 caps for the United States national team. An incredible amount. I've been playing... Uh, a legendary goalkeeper, really one of the founding guys of Major League Soccer, played with the uh, Metro Stars back in 1996 when Major League Soccer kicked off all the way through 2006 with the Red Bulls. want to thank Tony for coming on the show. Uh, appreciate his input. Uh, maybe we will have him, or I'd like to have him, on again. In the meantime, don't forget, I am with you uh, each and every weeknight from 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, 9 Eastern, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM211 Dan Patrick Sports. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Fifth Street Sports. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. Until tomorrow, enjoy the football. We'll speak to you then. Cheers.